Kepka said he felt, quote, lost, right? Today he won his fifth major. Maybe we could all use this as a reminder that our best golf isn't as far out of reach as we think. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another par train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got my man, my partner, Mr. Matt Cermak with me. What's up, Ev? PGA Championship Sunday. Fired up. It's, I mean, we're grinding here. I flew in from Dallas early so I could watch the full final round. Wow. Because I knew we had this podcast. And guys, you're in for a treat. We're going to unpack a lot of good stuff from the PGA Championship that you can put into your game. But first, in case you're new or if this is your 200th ride, if your golf game's off the rails or you're sick of riding that struggle bus, you've come to the right place. The part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again. Because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We unpack the mental game with PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors, sports psychologists, and golfers like you and me to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of The Part Train, like every episode, is presented by our friends at Roback Activewear. We're both wearing Roback polos right now. I got my uh, Shy 312 on right now. I got the hot toddy on. A lot of people came up to me. Actually, my team in the Ricky Cup, which we won, by the way, my annual Ryder Congrats, Cup trip. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. In Dallas, I'm sure we'll have a podcast unpacking some learnings from that. But first year in Dallas, and my team, Captain Teddy, got everybody Texas rowback polos. How nice is that? It's very nice. It is something that, D. you know, it was it was all as a locker room thing. Vibes were high, and we made it happen. So follow what my captain did. Okay. He's smart. Go to rowback.com enter the code train, get yourself 15% off. Or if you forget the code, hop to our Instagram at the part train, go to our bio, tap that link. And there will always be a link there. You tap that link. It'll auto apply in your cart. If it doesn't work, it means you've used the code before, you know, know what to do. Maybe figure it out. Ask for your wife's email. I don't know. Like I didn't, you didn't hear from me. Okay. But the, the, the discount do. is there for you. Okay, 15% off. Thanks to our friends. Basically like family now over at Roback. Yeah, I love what they're doing. So if you want something stylish, stretchy, moisture wicking, polos, hoodies, joggers, shorts. For your guys or gals. Or gals. They got a women's line too. So check out Roback. We love them. You guys will love it too. All right. I always get excited about these because it's kind of going back to our roots. We started with Tour Talk six or seven years ago. And now we're going to talk about, we talk about it four times a year in regards to the majors and helping us, you know, everyday players take away what the cream of the crop did on our televisions. Sure. This tournament was pretty unique. It felt, you got a little open championship vibe with the weather. You got us open with the rough and the difficulty, but it was a PGA and uh, a lot happened. So we're going to talk about Brooks, probably from the majority. We're going to talk about Michael Block, the PJ Pro, which, by the way, I just learned went to my high school, Parkway Central High School in Chesterfield, Ch- Missouri. Chesterfield kid. So we're going to Ryan, do our best. Ryan let us know. We didn't even know, realize this until I didn't after even the know coverage. it. Shout out to Ryan. But Ryan we're going to try our best to get Michael on the pod. Obviously, everyone's going to be trying to get him on their podcast now, but we'll see what we can do. It'd be a great conversation to get. But Hovland, Scheffler, Rory, there's a lot to unpack. But first, why don't we start with the tournament, the course, and the conditions itself? It felt very U.S. Open in the sense that whoever could remain calm, whoever could not get the most frustrated, whoever could hang on the longest, 
obviously you got to hit your ball in the right spots, but mental mentally, it's super important not to give up. So what was the big takeaway for you in regards to tournament and conditions and what you saw out of the leaders? It was great. And I love these episodes. I've, like you said, we kind of really get to think about tour talk. So it's fun to be recapping the PGA. Oh, kill. I mean, classic New York golf course. Long. It was very dry out there the first two days. They set it up that way. They really wanted to play in the hands because they knew the weather was coming on Saturday. So, and they had redesigned the bunkers at Oak Hill. I think that's a big thing. I mean, borderline too hard in some spots, yeah. like extremely deep, not only green side, but also, you know, fairway bunkers, heavy, heavy rough around the bunkers. And so, yeah, the first two days was just baked out like a classic US Open. You're seeing, I mean, these guys hit it so high off the tee and balls are almost propelling into the rough. And, you know, you see a handful of guys under par. But I really think they did a great job of setting that up because they knew the weather was coming on Saturday. It's still spring. You know, we're still a month away from summer and you're in New York. So getting some weather, you know, probably not that surprising, but I think they planned well for that. Mm -hmm. The golf course softened. It was probably difficult that first two hours when it was really raining heavy because nobody, I mean, it's just hard when you're playing in heavy rain, but it got softer and it really set up for a fun day today because you saw, you saw Shuffler shoot 65. You know, you saw Hovland shoot 68 with a double. So mm -hmm. it made for, you know, a perfect Sunday of a mix of birdies, but also guys got punished when you couldn't hit the fairway. And I thought that was, to your point of, when you think about the U.S. Open, you're a little off, off the tee. You're not going to win. <laughs> you're just not going to win. Yeah. And you saw the final group today, hole after hole, just, you know, really just kind of plotting their way around, mix of drivers, hybrids, irons. And in the fairway, and then when you're not, like we talked about DeChambeau, I think he was trying to bomb and gouge, and he just doesn't hit that straight off the tee. And he was just, it's pretty hard to hit wedge shots close, you know, even from the rough in yeah. these type of conditions. A typical tour event might be able to do it because it's just not that baked out. It's not that thick. So I thought it was a really cool PGA. And I don't know you have. It's always fun to see these guys grind a little bit, you know? Yeah. I don't embrace the carnage, I think, as some of the, like, U.S. Open big fans do i like it once a year but i'm not one of the guys that's like protect par you know yeah i like when you have a tough test and you let the conditions dictate the scoring but there's no manipulation happening by the you know the pga of america in this case or the usga but let me talk to you about this real quick because i think a lot of people will be able to relate to going into a course I don't care if it's a scramble. I don't care if it's a weekend Nassau. I don't care if it's a member guest or a PGA tour event. When you know going in that it's penal off the tee, you sometimes hear people say, oh, it's that course is super narrow, right? Like one of the guys on the, the sure. Ricky Cup trip I was just with, Connor, his favorite course he's ever played is Wolf Creek, you know, near Vegas. And he's like, it's amazing. But if you don't hit the fairway, that ball is gone. Kind of like Harborside in Chicago, right? Or Oak Hill. It can um, be different, right? And Harborside's in New much York, wider fairways, right? But no high trees, grass. But high, yeah, the wispy high grass. High grass. Yep. And so yep. knowing that going in, I think it's actually very challenging to swing aggressive with the driver. I think it's really easy to get guidey. I think it's really easy to have an avoidance mindset. What is your thoughts on that? Have you experienced that in tournaments? And how did you think about overcoming that? 
going into a really tight or tough driving course. Because neither one of us are known for great driving of the it golf ball. I think it depends. I think at Oak Hill, you're not going to necessarily lose golf balls, right? right? Unless you hit into the, there's some water out there, but you're not dealing with a lot of OB or a lot of like really just like high gunch. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't overly windy. So I think for especially, let's go back to the average player. That helps you swing freer because mm. the ball is going to be on the property. I'm going to go find my golf ball somewhere. So I think that does help you swing freer. It's just what happens next. <laughs> you know, well, because, that's actually a good you know, question. Like, yeah. I wonder if really high rough, the p- tour pros take a course with really narrow fairways and high rough, like an amateur does with a lot of OB and or hazards. Bunkers. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think because if you give these guys any, you guys give these guys room off the tee, it's just open season, right? Right. Or, or the rough's not down. Where the amateur player, like we go back to Harborside in Chicago, it's just a very, it's a wide fairways, but you see the gunch. And when the wind kicks up, that can get difficult if you're not trusting your, the driver off the tee. So I think, I think, you know, for these guys, it's very difficult. It played difficult because you're ripping drivers, but if you're just a little off, you're just chopping it out. Right. And then it's like, I'm hitting it well, I'm hitting it well, but I'm a little off and I'm making bogeys. So yeah. I think DeChambeau D- D- is a great example of that, you know, well, compared think, to what we saw from Capcom Cap- Hovland. I think it's a good reminder that what you might think about the course with course management and strategy going in might be true. Like, obviously, it's very penal off the tee at Oak Hill, right? But really thinking about the quote, I can't miss it here, is not a good thing for you, right? right? So, like, maybe utilize that to dictate a strategy in your practice rounds or going in regarding, like, which holes do I still need to maintain driver because it calls for it and I just need to stay stand up and do my best? Or which holes does it make more sense where the fairway is a little bit wider and I can pull back, right, well, it, on maybe a shorter hole? Uh, I mean, if it's if I can't miss it right, I have to miss it left, right? There's a difference in what you're telling yourself. I, I have to be, you know, now some people might not like half. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. What you an additional? It's probably not but a I, good thing. But it depends who you are. For me, yeah. it's at least have a plan that's assertive. Yeah. I've got to favor the left side as opposed well, to I can't be on the right side. Well, see, yeah, that's a great distinguishing fact because for you, a really good player, I bet you have to is a great way for you to focus and get clear on a plan. Yep. Whereas I bet the majority of the, our listeners here, I have to, which creates tension sure. and avoidance for the miss, which as we know, obviously makes that more of a thing. Actually, John Sherman, who we'll probably have back on the show pretty soon, just tweeted this and I took a screenshot. I should think it's pretty relevant. He says, the less I think about outcomes in the golf course, the better they become. Funny how that works. The next question is how. For me, the only way to do it is become so immersed in my routine that it distracts me from thinking, oh, crap, don't hit it there. Yeah, I think he's. I think he nailed it with the routine, right? Yeah. If the routine is on, on point, the plan is on point, right? Right. So I he's guess the main takeaway there. To get it somewhere, to get it to us. There is an outcome, but he's. it's way more of a positive off you like offensive right than it is the mind wanders and gets 
nervous, scared. Yeah, I think that's a great flag because that is something that really worked for me. And you guys have heard me talk about it. I'm probably going to talk about it in more detail soon. But, you know, I've had so much discomfort over the ball for over a year, like really bad discomfort, like can't make a committed swing discomfort. And I found this week, and I think it's really in line with what you're saying and what we saw tight fairways at Oak Hill and really penal rough that you just have to find a way to be aggressive in something. Yeah. Whether that means an aggressive feel, an aggressive swing, something not necessarily over swinging, but something needs to be aggressive because I found that every time I'm feeling the pressure, every time I'm feeling that tentativeness, anytime I'm feeling that shakiness in my hands, trying to just lay off of it and swing really light never works for me. Yeah. I think that uh, we'll keep, keep going. Finish that thought. Fin finish that thought. Cause I got something about that lightness action. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that I realize is like, I have to be aggressive on something. And so I found a feel that I could be aggressive with. And I looked at these holes that were so narrow, so intimidating off the tee. And I stood up there and this is someone that's lost so many balls. And the driver has been my Achilles heel for a long time. And I striped it down the middle somehow, just because I found a way to feel aggressive. And so I think to me, that's a big takeaway from watching the PGA championship and watching these guys is that doesn't mean they're like not afraid to hit it in the rough when they're up by two with two to play. Right. Cause you never know what can happen. It can plug so, saw in the bunkers. Brooks hit a high block on 17. Yeah. Behind a tree. Um, you never know what can happen mm -hmm. there. Doubles really easy to make, you know, you got to punch out once and you three putt boom, that's a double. So I think they found a really great way to stay aggressive. Yeah. Evan, I think for you, maybe there's something, you know, I think a light bulb moment for you, you got to differentiate between light and not aggressive. Right. Yeah. So if people say smooth, well, that's maybe that was not aggressive for you, but we're like grid players being light tension free helps them be aggressive and rip it. But that maybe is maybe you're struggling, point. struggling with that light hands at the top is your thing. But maybe that's turned into you very passive and tentative when you have to have light hands at the top and to, to ultimately be aggressive and hit it far. But maybe right. it's, it's been kind of a mental struggle understanding what am I doing? And maybe that's not the thought, you know? Just right. Yeah. Lightness doesn't mean passive. No. Yeah. Cause yeah. you have to be light to be aggressive, but maybe right. lights turn like, oh, smooth and guidey. And then you've lost it there. So I think. That's what those guys do so well, you know, I'm, uh, is well, just always understanding what their thoughts are and what it's going to translate to. And I think this might feel like a big tangent because we haven't even really talked about the players yet, but I think it's actually really relevant because when you watch Brooks Kepka, Brooks Kepka, whether you like him or you don't, whether you believe in what he, where he plays or not, he is probably the best modern day example of playing under pressure. And to me, yeah. yeah, the biggest, one of the big takeaways, and maybe that this is where this episode's going again, these episodes pretty free flowing. We let them go where they're supposed to um, yeah. or where they go, but he, he's a great example. And Hovland was too, of they pick their clubs. They might hit irons, but they're always aggressive in regards to how they move through the ball. 
And yeah. look, I just want to say for the listener out there, it is not easy to swing aggressively through the ball all the time. It's actually can be very difficult to swing aggressive through the ball when you feel really uncomfortable. But when you're what I'm in a pressure situation, yeah, or a course that just doesn't set up well for you, right? Yeah. But what I'm learning, and I really hope to dig into this journey of me even more because I want you guys, I want us to learn together, right? Like Bob Winter said, I see this as me search. I'm trying to solve this because this has been a big issue for me. And I know if we can help me, we can help you. And I'm just telling you that the biggest light bulb moment of being really uncomfortable and having all these demons and being the top pick of my teams and going in as the number one seed of a team event in courses I've never played before, staying, finding a way to swing aggressively was the only way that I won my match on the back nine yesterday. And I think that Brooks Kepka is a great example of find something that you can be aggressive with. Well, yeah. And I want to go through a couple of holes because I was really, really, I was making notes on the, especially the first six, seven holes, because that dictates what's going to typically how it's going to go for, and I'm talking about, you know, he made a bunch of birdies early, but the fourth hole, Ev, 612 yard par five, he lays up off the tee. Well, I think he hit a hybrid or he hit a three wood. And then he laid up with a four iron and then he attacked the pin. He hits a little soft cut, wins push into the right, makes birdie. Fifth hole, par three, long iron, pins like seven feet from the front edge. Front right, hits it 20 feet left, two putts. Sixth hole, toughest par four in the world is what Sky Shuffler said, right? Dog leg, water. He hits it in the Wasn't water. this what Rom was pissed about? Was, I didn't see what, what Rom I think Rom, I don't know if this is the hole, but I heard that Rom this made the some comments hole. about yeah. like great setup, PJ of America. This is absurd or something. Keep going. Yeah. Shuffler said toughest par four he's ever played, right? So he hits it in the water off the tee, hits a high right. You saw Brooks hit it a couple high rights today. And then he's got to drop it. He's got to, I don't know if you saw this shot. That third shot, he drops it near the hazard. He's got a mid iron in his hand, and there's water left of the green too. And he just goes up and just rips it to 30 feet on the green and saves bogey, right? So he makes three birdies in the first four holes. And then on the sixth hole, puts it in the water and okay. And then he goes and hits just a aggressive but smart second shot to the middle of the green, but you had to pull it off after being tentative mm-hmm. and hitting a high right floater into the water. He goes out and in a really scary moment and makes bogey, you know, which is huge. And he actually bogeyed the next hole. So it's that mix of just seeing a golf round of kind of conservative, but aggressive play, you yeah. know, and then making a tentative swing and then making a, such an aggressive swing to a big target and pulling it off. You know, we talked about conditions. One thing I'll say is, you know, obviously this tournament was more cold rain, but a lot of times the conditions can be hot, heat, sun. And this weekend at the Ricky Cup, I got the whole group to get oars and Alps sunscreen. Wow. And we tried the face mist. And it was the first time that it was easy to reapply. I always forget to reapply. And by the way, it's Skin Cancer yeah. Awareness Month. I actually don't think we've talked about this enough when we partnered with our friends at Oars and Alps last year. And I really want to hit this home. Skin cancer is not something that golfers talk enough about. Charlie Hoffman just posted a gnarly photo of his arm. It looked like it got bit by a Rottweiler of his arm after surgery of skin cancer. My mom's had skin cancer multiple times. 
And I just talked to my buddy Teddy on my trip this past weekend, and he made a great point. He said, most people don't spray the tops of their hands or rub yeah, sunscreen that, on the tops of their hands. It's the most important place. And especially the glove. You think, oh, I don't need to put it on my glove hand, but the glove is coming off and on. So it's pulling whatever you put on off and on. So I'd like to use this as a reminder for everybody. We are in the sun five hours minimum. Go ahead. And Ev, just because you're an LA guy, driving to the golf course or driving in general. Oh, yeah. Especially one side of the face. So yeah. we're all in LA. You're fighting traffic to go to the course sometimes. It's a good hour, hour and a mm -hmm. half. Chicago, we're driving around the region. We always forget to do that. And Orzen Alps, the spray is so great because it's not messy. You just wouldn't think, oh, I'm inside. You know, I got my sunglasses on. Right. So just wanted to add that to, to we got to remember this stuff. Yeah, because we're at risk as maybe more than any sport because we are out there for so long and you get caught up in, you know, missing the fairways and drinking beer, whatever you want to do that you forget. So go to oarsandalps.com. We got you a discount, especially for part train listeners. The code is SPF train, 15% off. I love the SPF spray. It's really small, goes in your bag with probably the antioxidant spray SPF 50 is what I used. I use their daily moisturizer with SPF 37 as well, but they've got a million great products. It doesn't have all the harsh chemicals as the ones you probably buy either copper tone sport or banana boat, whatever right. terrible chemicals in there. They're out. My whole Ricky cup group is in on oars and Alps after using it this weekend. So oars and enter the code SPF train, get 15% off. I've got a great comment on the first three to five <laughs> holes. So first three, four holes, I guess it was. Obviously, it looks like he's hitting it to five feet, right? Making putts. Looks like he's going to run away with it. Looks like a Tiger 97 type performance, right? right. In the Masters. Well, oh, okay. Yeah. Just basically blowing Auto the field away. Automatic. Yeah. Right. Auto he just looked yeah, on a like Sunday. Yeah. This wasn't, this couldn't maybe not be close. They're having John Rahm call the play-by-play -play yeah, with Amanda Balionis and now Renner. And I thought John Rahm said something very interesting. She goes, what would you say to Hovland right now? Because obviously this is really unique because Rahm went up against Kepka in the last major. And, and kicked his butt. And came out the victor. And obviously Brooks Kepka shot three over on Sunday at the masters. And we'll talk about the residual effects and how he maybe bounced back from that. But John Rahm said something very interesting. He said, look, Brooks is one of the best competitors in the world. Like maybe one of the most competitive guys on tour. And he just, when he gets in that zone, he's very hard to beat. Right. We all know that, but he said what he would tell Hovland is he's going to make a mistake at some point. Nobody's perfect. This course is very difficult. So it'd probably be pretty easy for Hovland to feel in those first four holes like, sheesh, what can I do? Right? There's like, this guy's going to run away with it. He's playing pretty good. And he's down four or whatever it was, you know, in the first five holes. And it probably would have been easy for him to press or think that he had to change his game plan and go get him. But John Rahm was like, Hovland, if I was you, keep playing your game, keep your head oh, yeah. down and st stick to your game plan because there is going to be a time where he makes a mistake and you can capitalize. 
And, and yeah. to me, that's just patience. That to me, that is a sign that John Rahm is a two-time major champ now, and the guy knows how to win majors. And to me, winning a major is the way that all of us should be playing golf in the sense of they are just so focused on every shot because it means everything. We don't treat our shots like they mean everything. Maybe we do in regards to the consequence and the fear side, but I don't think we give our shots everything in the sense of our preparation and our focus. Well, it's interesting, right? Like, it's a great, glad you brought it up because major golf, you can't, there's not going to be, Oh, I got an easy hole coming up. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'm going to go dial this one up or change this. It's like, you just have to, I've come this far Hovland. I just got to play my best and do my plan because I know what I need to do. I can't control what he's going to do, but to Ram's point, you know, try not to think too much about Brooks, but bogeys are going to happen from both of us. So let's just see how this plays out. And then, yeah, right. Brooks made a couple of bogeys after Hovland made an incredible up and down on six. I mean, Hovland's knocking at the door. Ev. He's fun to watch. He seems to be always putting himself in major contention now. And he's mm -hmm. won a bunch, but Brooks is just a terminator. I mean, this is like, this was exactly what we saw for those three years at the PGA's and U.S. Opens. Yeah. When it's hard, when it's tough, he's just tougher, you know? And, uh, yeah, I think Hovland did a great job of staying in, and he hit it great. He shot 68, and it was one swing. One swing, Ev. Yeah. So what is he thinking right now, if you're Hovland? I just shot 68 in the final round of a major, and I got beat. Yeah. You I think he said to make one dumb swing. I mean, Brooks made a dumb swing, but made a bogey. He made a dumb swing and he ended up getting a tough break and made a double. Yeah. Which by the way, that was the second time that happened. So we can have to Corey Connors, but Connors didn't plug. Right. So Connors right. hit the lip and bounced away and he was able to, I don't know if he made a bogey. or No, double, I think but... Connors, same thing. It went in between the sod and the sand and he had to take a drop. Did he end up having to take a drop? Yeah. But the crazy thing too, it was the same spot in the bunker. <laughs> yeah crazy same spot in the bunker but so. i think the the lesson there though for us is it's so easy the natural human response is going to be my opponent's doing this i have to match him right i'm That's four back and i'm i have 15 holes to go right or 14 i i have to make something happen so i just really want to hit this home because i think a lot of our listeners might have that thought and think, oh, I'm not mentally strong because I had that thought. But the mental strength part is he seeing that thought and saying, oh, I just have to keep playing my game. There's well, going to be ebbs and flows. Every I'll, round has ebbs and flows. I'll take it a step further. The common reaction is to go into match play mode, stay in stroke play mode, stay yeah. in long game mode. Yeah. You start wanting to play the player. Mm -hmm. And we know in match play, there's some of that, but you need a little bit of everything. That's what we do, right? You get kicked in the mouth first couple holes by a bunch of birdies. You're just like, oh my God, he's on his game. He's playing good. I got to do this. I got to do that. And you go into kind of, you go into real short term as opposed to long term, because yeah. like you said, have bogeys are going to be made typically in a major on the last day. Stay with it. And Hovland did, did an unbelievable job. He just found himself making a double and, he didn't putt like Brooks did too. That was the other thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great takeaway because we're all going to get ahead of ourselves. 
We're all gonna yeah, I mean, press this is the what panic button. This is what We're gonna. Yeah. Wouldn't you say that that's kind of the constant term, where in all of your great rounds you've ever had, you probably let an off moment, a missed putt, a bogey from the fairway, a bad break behind a tree. You probably were really good that day at letting that slide off your shoulder and you trusted that you're going to get other opportunities and yeah. you just kind of kept plugging along. And in the end, you made a putt. You probably didn't expect you hit a close shot for an easy tap in bird. You made a couple going in, made a string of pars and suddenly you had one of your best rounds. Isn't that kind of always how it always happens? Yeah. I mean, you just, and you don't let the little things irk you. I mean, yeah. Ev, look at Brooks. What did he say about the masters? I know we want to talk about this. The slow play got to him, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, even the Terminator that we saw today is human. Like, right. and how, look, you get course setup, pace of play, the greens, the condition of the golf course, you know, we let little things get to us all the time. Right. So on those best rounds, you just, you're just so in your own world and it's just like, Oh, the round's over. What do I get it? Oh, you're just, you're, you're almost walking off that. Where's the next T because you're just so in your, so in your own dimension. Yeah. So, you know what else Kepka said? I watched his interview and we'll probably post this video on social at some point this week, but he said, everyone was asking him on Sunday at the masters after his round when he shot three over. And, you know, you look at the leaders, everybody was like minimum three under. So obviously he had a bad day. Yeah. yeah. Had a bad day. And he was money all week. Right. We, well, and everybody asked him like, what phenomenal happened? Golf what happened? Yeah, yeah. What was different? And I, I picked out a couple things I thought were really, really interesting. He did admit once pace of play got to him a little bit, frustrated him Two, he got a bad break on nine where he thought it should have kicked down and been pin high or whatever it was. And he got a bad bounce and he admitted that he let nine linger yep. a little bit longer than it probably should have. Yeah. Other than that though, he said, honestly, I hit it good. I just got some bad breaks. So there's two things there that every player can learn from and use in their game. One is the winner talked about being a goldfish from Ted Lasso. We've all talked about it. Sounds cliche, yep. but short memory. Got to move on. And the best way to move on, by the way, is to not not be frustrated about it. It's just to focus your energy and obsess over the next plan, right? It's obsess over your whatever works for you. Obsess yeah. over where you're trying to hit it. Obsess over your process, that type of stuff. So that's one. Right. Two, he also did what a lot of the greats always do in interviews, which is they don't personalize it. Well, yeah. And they Tiger don't, was like, oh, it hit something. Overly, you know, I hit it pretty well. Right. And don't overly got bad bounces on what you did poorly because he didn't hit his irons good that day. Now, he didn't hit him terrible. But he, he actually just, hit it a lot worse than how he was talking about it from a fan's was, perspective. I mean, look, and Rom just beat him, right? But yeah. he, and that Masters, and he was hitting like, just wasn't like earlier in the week. But that's golf, right? You, right. Oh, shoot 65. Then you're, you know, you get a couple bad breaks, you dwell on them and then you're just not hitting as close. But I think for the, Ev, your point, they know that if they keep vocalizing it, it's just going to spiral, you know, and what good is that going to do? Right. right? <laughs> like don't keep dwelling on whatever the negative was. I mean, admit to it to yourself, but like 
actually realized what really set me off pace yeah. of play and dwelling on bad breaks. Okay. So I was off with my irons today. That's golf up here. Right. It's right. All meant, and uh, by the way, guys, by the way, it's important to remember it is going to happen where if you make a mistake that you've made over and over again, and you know, you're a better player than your scores. And there's a ton of embarrassment involved. Like you have to live. It's a fight to not want to really beat yourself down for it. It is a fight to choose something else. So I just want to say that because I experienced this all the time and I had to vocalize to myself this past weekend. Today, I'm fighting. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight through the discomfort. I'm going to fight through the doubt. I'm going to fight through. I'm doing it again. I'm going to fight through all that stuff and I'm going to refocus and I'm going to try in some way to stay aggressive with something. And so I just want that, people to that understand your, that was your calling card. I'm not going to give up. And yeah. I'm not... Because you know how many times I've given up where I'm like, I'm doing it again. I can't believe this. This is so it's happening again. I have a problem type right. thing. And then you give up and you're almost giving yourself permission to play that way. It's a weird switch. Yeah. Well, I, I loved a, an example for our, what we can take away for our listeners. That was Hovland, right? He makes double on 16 because of one swing. And he talk about a bad break. I mean, he hit a bad shot, but it got worse. And then he makes double tournaments over. He knows it. He goes to 17 hits in the rough, scrapes out a second shot, right of the green gets up and down for par. And then he goes and birdies 18. Cause he's like, wait a minute. I'm hitting it great all day. How easy would it have for him to be like, cause he doesn't care about the money. He's worth millions and millions of dollars. Like could have just kind of wheels fell off those last, like all your energy, all your, you know, the last two holes of the PGA, you've lost the tournament. You've lost the tournament. And he didn't portray that at all. It's like, no, I've hit it so good up until this point. All right. I made a mistake. And he birdied 18 of tie for right. second. He right. could have taken third. Right. He could and have said, I can't win. So what's the point? But it's, it's just, you know, he had a tough fairway bunker shot. And he, but he's like, no, this is, again, you talk about identity a lot. Like, wait a minute. This is not who I am. Right. What's more impressive. It's just the moment. Like your whole, his whole world came crashing down and he finished with like such grace and such class and such skill because that's yeah. what he did all week. So, you know, that's again, <laughs> could have easily just, you know, packed it in and just made a bunch of terrible swings and his mind would have went any, anywhere and we wouldn't have cared. That's, that's gone. Right. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Ev, do you want to maybe kind of take this episode as we kind of, get towards the inclusion, talk about Michael block I yeah. mean, and just maybe what your takeaways with him. I mean, you know, what's so cool about the PGA championship is you get 20 to 25 club pros, the best club pros around the country to qualify every year. And yeah, usually a couple make the cup, but you don't see it necessarily contend. Yeah. Um, at least in some respect. And I mean, what a, what a cool story. I have, and he's a St. Louis guy. Well, yeah. I know you want to talk a little bit about his tied for 15th finish. And maybe what you saw out here, what we can take away from his approach. Or, well, let me you know. play a little something yeah. um, that I pulled. Finishing the top 10 this week, you're going to make at least 465. They say he doesn't want to, you don't want to hear it. <laughs> How do you block out all of the, what could come with this with a good round tomorrow? I don't listen to what I did on five yesterday. I don't listen about what I might make or could make or anything like that. Um, I pretty much am putting my head down. 
I didn't watch, uh, I didn't even look at Rosie's face for the first three holes because I'm a big fan of Rosie and I've watched him my whole life. And uh, I knew that it could get a little too intimidating in the fact that I'm like, holy crap, I'm sitting here playing with Justin Rose, right? And that might get too big for me. So I literally just kind of looked down, looked at his shoes the first couple holes and uh, got off to a decent start and went on from there. So what I love about this is he recognized something proactively that could potentially be intimidating. Obviously playing with, you know, a Hall of Fame player that he's probably loved his whole career, which is what he said. And what we talked about earlier, it's normal to try and go into match play mode. He's doing this. I don't want to be embarrassed. I almost don't even, I kind of want to get out of the way, let Justin Rose do his thing, right? I kind of think we can all relate to that. Not everybody can relate to playing with Justin Rose, but everybody's played with a better golfer than that. But right, a 10 handicap or 15 handicap, playing with a three handicap, right? Right, and said, let me just get out of the way and let you do your thing. Right. But I don't think that's helpful. I think that's normal. So knowing that, about yourself he didn't really focus on him at all he was like i'm just going to keep my head down i'm not going to look at him in the face it's a little extreme obviously i'm not saying do that with people get matched up with but he acknowledged that he had something that would potentially add unnecessary amounts of pressure he has enough and he's going to focus on what he can do now the keys that i think michael block really taught us this week is he really embraced the tournament, and finally, he says, after doing this for so long, he finally realized this week that he is not a tour pro. He's a PJ professional. Right. He is not coming this week. He hits a bucket of balls once a week. Okay, he's not coming into the tournament trying to be a tour pro. He's coming to the tournament to do the best that he possibly can and keep his head down not look at anything and play golf, right? So to me, that means low, he lowered his expectations and he also embraced the stage in a way that he really wanted to enjoy it. I think he acknowledged the uniqueness of it, which I think a lot of us could probably do more in our rounds and events we go play is like, when am I going to play in this event again? Even if I play it every year, I'm not going to play it for another year. Who knows if I'll be here for a year from now? We don't know. So like thinking about things as like, you know, it has this precious thing to it, I think helps you stay a little bit more present. And I think you could feel a lot of gratitude from him this week. And look what happened. You know, he just, what a magical week. I had no idea he went to my high school until Ryan texted us. That's which is great. Well, I I love that, what he did, that quote or that, what he was responding to there about what he did with Justin Rose. And that is real. You have to have a plan. If you realize if you if you're this is the biggest stage of your life, you know you're going to be nervous more than maybe you've ever been. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, right. Are, <laughs> like that's that's monumental. And he knew. Well, for me, if I look, you know, if I look at him, give him attention, I'm going to get distracted. I'm going to be my mind's going to be drifting, and I need to be not that. So I think that's really cool. I also think Av, you know these club pros make the cut is, is what they're kind of gunning for. And once he did, he did that. I think it frees up everything. Isn't that interesting? Right. Yeah. And sometimes I think these, these, you know, maybe these club pros, cause you don't see a lot of them make the cut one. They don't practice. So they got to kind of have it go their way, but 
cut, 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 you know, and then once you do it, <laughs> you couldn't go beat the best players in the world. Because well, anybody, I'd almost, because I'd almost any, argue, Serm, that you know th- you, it's a win just to be there for them. You yeah, qualified. Yeah. Right. So it's but like cherry on top if you can make the it run. is, but it isn't though, because this is an opportunity to make game changing money like he did this weekend and yeah. change your life. Now you have a couple hundred thousand dollars. Four hundred thousand. Right? These guys make some money in the summer playing their section events, but you know, so yeah. there's a there's a different level of pressure. It's like the mini tour guys, or it's like corn fair, or it's like anybody trying to make the one twenty five. So the way he handled himself, but you saw the difference between a tour player. I mean, how good is his game? But he's you know he made a hole in one with a seven iron from one hundred fifty one yards. You know, didn't hit it that long, and then he's getting up and down from everywhere. Didn't hit it as straight as some of these guys, but yeah. I don't know. I think, I think he uh, said it might've been in the wind, but regardless, you're right. I mean, that's just a totally club. different. Yeah. Normal. That's club. what I would hit, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but the other thing I didn't say, sir, is he was really enjoying himself. He was really just enjoying himself, playing off the crowd and loving that too. So how do you be focused and relaxed? He did it. Well, I think he that's kind of the key, that, you know? Right. So on one hand, he got asked, do you know you can win $460,000 if you finish in the top 15? And he covered his ears. Right. Right. So one, he doesn't want to know that. And he's not going to focus on that because that's only going to add the pressure. And two, what's a great way to relieve pressure? We talked about humor before. Yeah. Humor, taking yourself less seriously, staying present, appreciation, gratitude. That all has the lightness to it. That's a totally different state than... I comparison, I don't want to mess up. I'm playing for a lot of money. Right. People are watching me, right? That's all focusing on others and what things mean when the light stuff is all focusing on like what he's doing. And I think, you know, not to say that you're going to have the goal is an entire round of light feelings. You're it's going to be back and forth. But I think what Michael Block taught us is he leaned into the stuff that kept him light. I mean, everybody shows it differently, right? You get animated players, you get guys like Kepka who don't show any emotion, but clearly right. Kepka, like Michael Block in their own ways, didn't let the little stuff get to him today. Yeah. <laughs> didn't let the Aaron T shots, didn't let the, you know, bad seconds. just, and I think that's incredible. Yeah. So you got to lean into who you are, what you do best and what works for you and realize what doesn't and just double down on it because Kepka, the Terminator, and then you got Michael, Michael Blaze, kind of the lighthearted, fun loving guy. Right. And it kind of mm-hmm. speaks to where they're at with their careers. And I just thought that was awesome takeaway, especially for our listeners. I thought both Michael Block and Kepka also play their own game in the sense that both aren't having like huge follow throughs. They kind of like smack the ball and they kind of have abbreviated finishes. Well, you know, you see how many Kepka can hit it low too. Yeah. A lot of piercing iron shots, right? Yeah. And that's how you hit it straight. Yeah. Keep the club face square. Yeah. Well, one thing I'm really excited about that we haven't really talked as much about on the show yet, but I'll give our listeners a little tease is our partnership with TaylorMade. Yeah. People have asked me recently, like, hey, what's coming up? Like, what are you really excited about? And I always say this, TaylorMade and us, we are going to be the first ever partner to do a My Symbol golf ball run. And what that means is, and by the way, any of you can do this, but we're doing something unique that you can't get anywhere. So let me explain the difference. If you Google 
TP5 TaylorMade My Symbol or TaylorMade My Symbol golf balls. It'll pop up. You click through to that link. Essentially, no other golf manufacturer has the ability to replace the number on the golf ball with an image. Now, you could do your own colors, symbols, logos, numbers, but it's only the preset options that they have, right? Yep. What's really cool with our partnership is we're going to have tailor-made TP5 and TP5X balls with the Partrain logo underneath the tailor-made logo and then enjoy the ride on the side. So good or what? I love the TP5s too. Ab. It's pretty sweet. So they're not out yet. They're coming soon. We're waiting on an update. But in the meantime, I encourage you guys to go Google TaylorMade TP5 My Symbol and go to this page and play around with and figure out you could come up with some cool designs on your own with the preset stuff they have. I mean, they've got a taco here. It, lo it looks like you're playing a TaylorMade taco ball. They've got chilies. On here, you can put crazy numbers if you want, donuts. Have fun, have fun with it. I mean, so if you guys want to kind of use this, not enough people are talking about this yet. If you want to start playing around with this for your own game and your own logos of what they have available, go for it. Or you can wait until we drop our custom first ever tailor-made par train balls coming soon. So just Google tailor-made TP5, my symbol. You guys are going to absolutely love it. It's such a cool feature. I think the themes for today, sir, yeah, have kind of been, they've kind of been staying aggressive under pressure. And it's kind of been like a, a maintaining like a major fight. It's like having a fight attitude. You kind of have to be like ready to go to battle. You have to have the fight in you that when you're ready to compare yourself or when you're feel like you're falling behind, you go into max play mode, like you said, or when you're having some misses and you want to get to the finish line when you're on hole three or get back to your great shots, you have to fight to stay in it. I think that's what we yep. watched this weekend, especially with the conditions, yep. tough courses. Yep. Like you just have to stay in it. You can't give up mentally because when you give up mentally, then you're not focused on where you want to go. You make mistakes on club choice. You make mistakes on lines. Yep. You make mistakes on green reading, on where you should leave it in the greens. And then if you're doing that, you have no chance. You got to yeah. give yourself a chance by staying in it and fighting. Yeah. And that's, I think, what, what Brooks did. You know, he was kind of just in it the first two days, and then he just lit it up the weekend. I mean, have you got to stay in it, but then you got to convert. I mean, his putting... Can't hit it, hit it home enough, guys. Summer of the short game we talked yeah. about with Tori. You got to be able to convert. You know, he, he can put it on the green, you know, but who's going to make those putts? And he did that too. And that's just, but to what you just said, Ev, no tension when you putt. We miss putts because of tension. Just mm -hmm. like we hit bad shots, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so specific with that putter. The minute that club face goes a little closed or a little open, pretty cool to watch him putt. So, I mean, Ev, it's five majors for Brooks. 27% of his career wins are majors. He's now joined the ranks of Byron Nelson, Peter Thompson, Seve Ballesteros. I mean, he's back. He's back, yeah. Ev. Um, and he has more majors than Rory McIlroy. Did, did we ever think that would happen? How crazy is At that? At this point of their careers, you know? 2014, Rory had four. And of course, what does all the media say? Can he get to 10? 
How many is he going to get? Four, you know, 12 maybe. Right. Just so, so it, one, it's so hard. And then, you know, Brooks gets injured, he joins live and what a story gets healthy. So let me also end with this, sir. It, it's just really cool to watch the best players of the generation win more majors, isn't it? Say yep. what you want about, you know, if you like him or not, you're watching greatness. Yeah. Absolute greatness. And we saw that today. So let me end with this. I tweeted this right after PGA. I said just over a year ago, maybe two, maybe one to two years. Who knows when they recorded it versus when it came out on the Netflix doc. But Kepka said he felt, quote, lost. Right. Today, he won his fifth major. And I'm going to really take this to heart for me. So maybe we could all use this as a reminder that our best golf isn't as far out of reach as we think, because he probably wouldn't have said he could be where he is right now back when he got interviewed then. Right. So I just, you know, reminding myself and reminding others that we're all meant to go through things for whatever reasons, we don't know them yet, but in hindsight, we will know why. And they're meant to make us stronger for wherever we're going. And just keep, um, just keep working on getting your mind right. Mind yeah. better. That's what he did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just keep fighting. He had to go down to come back up. Unbelievable. So it's great. truly amazing watching watch. average players like this weekend go on a Ryder Cup trip. It's amazing to see the difference of how people play when the match ends and we still play the last three or four holes just because we're paying for it. Let's play. Things and they up. say things like, where was this all day? Yeah. It's truly amazing the pressure that we put on ourselves. And I think you just have to fight to stay in it and find some way to swing aggressive if you can. Yeah. It's that's why the game is so challenging, Ev. Yeah. That's why it's why we do it though. So yeah. Well, this was fun as always, my man. Thank yep. you guys for hopping aboard the train. If this added any value, which we hope it did do us a solid and give us a review on Apple podcasts and Spotify and give us a follow yeah, at the par train, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, where we'll be posting stuff every day in between podcasts, keep your mind right and keep you on track. So no matter uh, if you plug a ball into a bunker mm. or you hit it behind a tree or you hit in a really thick rough, you can't find it. What do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride guys. Take care. Hey guys, this is Evan. Real quick before you hop off the train, I got something for you. It's called The Train of Thought. It's our new email newsletter. Would you like to get one nugget, insight, or thought that we're pondering every week that could help keep you sharp and help your mental game? Go to thepartrain.com and subscribe to The Train of Thought newsletter today. It's really the best way to enjoy the ride. See you guys.